Welcome to the Carb Load Podcast. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the latest edition of the Carb Load Podcast. I feel like we haven't, we say this every time we record a podcast because it's like once a month, but we haven't done one in a long time. And quote unquote from my wife, it's because there's nothing to talk about but COVID right now. So that's part of the reason why. But today, tonight, we have another special guest and she is frightened by a microphone. (laughs) Uh, One of our good friends who we've known for, gosh, I've probably known you for, I've known her for, what would that be, like eight, nine years? Yeah, close to that. That's crazy. Mm And she is the person I give credit to for meeting my wife. Whoop, whoop. Uh, the one and only Cassidy <laughs> Burke. <laughs> and she's known as the matchmaker to Kayla and I. Woo-hoo. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. What a, why are you nervous I to be on the know. podcast? <laughs> I even dressed up. I have no idea why. <laughs> she thinks we're going to take a picture after this. <laughs> we're not because the reason we're doing a podcast is so nobody sees our face. They just hear our voices. <laughs> a good call. Oh, man. Cassidy uh, has been a close friend. Semi-close. Wow. <laughs> for me. Closer to my wife, probably. It's different when, you know, guy, girl, girl, girl. No? Okay. Uh, We met in college. I didn't go to the college she went to. She played volleyball at Colorado Christian, where my wife coaches volleyball now. Um, And I don't remember the exact time we met. I'm sure it was at a function. A function, we'll call it. (laughs) A CCU function. (laughs) A game, probably a game. Yeah. But Cass, tell us and the audience a little bit about yourself, where you're from, what you do, when you were born, oh your deepest gosh. fear. That's such an open-ended question. <laughs> um, let's see. Where was I born? No, we're not going back that far. Um, yeah, I went to Colorado Christian University, as Church said, played volleyball there for four years, then coached for five, and then took over uh, a director marketing position this last year. Um, Nope, that's a lie. It's been two years, which is wild. Um, Yeah, I've also worked at Janice Henderson, which is a finance firm um, down in Cherry Creek, um, doing presentations, and uh, my degrees in finance, so just trying to keep one leg in finance, one leg in coaching and ministry, which is... uh, CCU for sure. So love to walk through life with college athletes and be able to uh, mentor athletes and non-athletes and um, be able to just kind of walk through life with them. So it's been it's been fun. It's been a fun couple years. Got to meet Kayla coaching, which was awesome and 
Choach I've met a long time ago, so. Yeah, yeah I'm the side note of the picture. Yeah, really. Um, Cass is probably one of the hardest workers I've ever met. When she says she's trying to keep a leg in like finance and then one in ministry and coaching, she is like keeping a body in both <laughs> somehow. <laughs> so I I highly respect her her work ethic and her ability to manage that because most people can't even handle one job <laughs> 40 hours a week or whatever and Cass works two jobs, so... Um, and on top of working two jobs, Cass just wrote a children's book. And one of the biggest reasons why we wanted to have her on here was to talk about that and get it out in the open and out for people to see and hear about because, um, from our viewpoint and from a lot of people, I think the message behind it is uh, vitally important for our culture nowadays. Um, unfortunately, it's it's come to that point, but it's also fortunate because I, pe- I feel like people are um, being a little more transparent just because of everything that's going on with it. So Cass wrote this book and it's set to release at the end of this year, if I'm Yep. Correct. December 1st, hard copy. Which is crazy I that know. you wrote a book. I know, it really is. <laughs> but um, the book is called You Are You. And Cass, tell us, I want to know, and you've told me before, but I want everyone to hear your heart behind writing this book. What was the reason behind it? Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me on again. I'm excited to talk about Uh, this book. My main goal of this book is to help one person. And like Church said, it's a tough subject I tried to conquer in this book. um, And it's youth suicide. So you are you. And the last line of my book is you are you and you are not alone. And um, I don't know. I just really felt spirit led on this book. And um, it was cool to see how this all came about. And um, I wrote the manuscript as my uh, second master's thesis at CCU and the master's thesis was basically on um, youth education and the foundation it's built on and just felt like a children's book would be a good way to talk about the gap between teaching also listening which is a really important part that I've grown to learn through my research and I brought in the topic of youth suicide, really suicide in general, but my my target is uh, youth just based off of the stats that I've um, been pulling and kind of meditating on um, from researching this book. But the main goal of the book is just to provide a platform for parents to a- ask tough questions. I've felt in the last couple years um, that I've been coaching. I coached club too, so 14, 15, 16-year-olds, and then all the way up to the college level. Everyone struggles with mental health. Mental health is so real. Um, and it's something that I never talked about. I think we just are raised in a culture of not talking about it and mental health being a sign of weakness. And I think it's cool that, you know, these, these days, a bunch of athletes are talking about mental health now and really good coaches are focusing on mental health as much as they're focusing on physical health. 
um, which I think um, a lot of coaches have missed the mark on, if I'm being honest, but also parents have kind of missed the mark on bringing up mental health too. So my goal, it's a children's book. Again, um, it's illustrated in really, really unique ways. It's much better illustrated than what I did. I am a horrible, <laughs> horrible uh, illustrator. And I, I went back to my first pictures of what I tried I, to do I versus see what the, I was <laughs> planning to bring it tonight, but I forgot, of course. Um, so yeah, my goal is to help one person. That's literally my vision. My goal is to just help one person through um, that tough part of their life if they go through it. I think, well, first of all, you're, uh, this is extremely commendable on your part for tackling an issue like this. Um, cause I think the reality is, uh, we're afraid of it. And a lot of people are afraid of just the idea, um, of suicide and even mental health. Like you said, And the thing that I was thinking about before this was um, we have had coaches who talk about how the mind is a muscle, just Mm -hmm. like you have muscles and we train your muscles. But I was thinking about they say that, but then it's like, okay, and they don't give you any tools for that or they don't ever talk about it past that. It's like you need to work out your mind to read a book or whatever, and Mm -hmm. it's like very shallow. Um, And the reality is there are a ton of kids and adults and people in general who struggle with any mental health issue. Like, and the numbers I was looking are staggering, like, and I'll let you talk about those. But from, from my perspective, it's, it is like we focus in the United States and around the world on, sickness of the body so like the flu or you know heart disease whatever it is but then we just we've somehow missed sickness of your mind and uh i think it's something that needs to be talked about and like i said it's uh i commend you for writing a book about it that appeals to uh kids and and parents and and if we're catching these kids at a young age and letting them know like hey it's okay to talk about what's going on in your mind then that's building a foundation for success in the future for them Mm -hmm. and I think that's a huge piece of this like you were talking about in the United States for whatever reason we've built a culture of strong independent people and we we think that it's um it's weakness if you're uh if your mind doesn't work like somebody else or you know if you have problems that you struggle with that somebody else doesn't struggle with you don't want to share about it because you think you're weak and that's a product of the culture we've created in the united states and i'm guessing it's worldwide um i don't know enough about it but um yeah, let's talk about just in general some statistics about it um, just so we can get it out there and, and talk about the numbers and yeah, for sure. we can get more specific too. Yeah, and I think just to go back on a little bit of what you said, the the more we talk about it, the less power it has. And so that's really where where I wanted to write a book about it because the stats I'm reading, the psychologist I'm talking with, 
Um, a couple of my friends are actually on the suicide prevention hotline. And um, so they've kind of walked me through what that looks like. And you are supposed to ask, if someone you think is suicidal, you're supposed to ask, it's okay to ask, do you have a plan for committing suicide? And that's something I've never thought it's okay to ask. I feel like if I met a person that was suicidal, I would, you know, take him to get ice cream or, um, you know, try to avoid it or not talk about it or um, pretend like it didn't happen. And I think that's absolutely everything you're not supposed to do. (laughs) And so, I don't know. I just think the more we continue the conversation and open the door and, and, um, you know, I'm super passionate about this because if all of us cared just a little bit about the subject, I know the stats would go down. Like it has to, if you showed you cared or educated yourself on what you're supposed to do. That's why I think, um, September was national suicide prevention awareness month. And each day I posted like a, a way you could educate yourself on, how you can help in the conversation or join the conversation. You don't need to be going through it or know someone to go through it to be able to impact someone that's close to you. Um, So yeah, some of the stats that I did while doing my book, um, it's just, it just, I I couldn't believe it, honestly. There's 132 suicides per day in the U.S. That's according to the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. It's the 10th leading cause of death in the U.S. in 2018, and there were um, 1.4 attempted suicides in the range age range of 15 to 64. And I'm sure you guys have cousins too, or, uh, siblings that are younger than you that are going through high school and going through elementary school. And I have a couple cousins that I would reach out to while I was um, trying to write this book and just, you know, is this too young to start this conversation? And they're like, no, like, no, it's not. I had a friend that did this. I had another friend that was thinking about it. And, I think you can go back and forth on um, the impact of social media, but it's there. Um, You know, suicide rates were lower back in the day um, significantly. And I think with the current climate of where we're at from a social media perspective, that definitely impacts um, how you can get your voice across in a positive or negative way. Um, So, yeah, that's just kind of some stats there. (laughs) I don't know how to end that sentence. Very educational. (laughs) Um, That is like, for me, it shook me the first time. I think you told me that over breakfast or something. And like, Mm -hmm. that's something that I think hurts your heart if you're a normal person. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is just like, (laughs) it's, it's heavy. for for anyone I think who's hearing that um I think the idea of fear of talking about it stems from when we are faced with our own mortality or somebody else's it's like we don't want to talk about it (laughs) right and you can't see it yeah so it's not like a broken limb yeah it's mental So you can't see it. So people evaluate you on your mental health. You can't, you go to work, you can get sick days, but where are the mental health days? Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, it, there's something about, uh, and you, you talked about like, is it too young to, you know, 10 years old or 
the statistics literally start at 10 years old yeah. from what I saw, yeah. which is mind blowing. And I've seen some even younger than that. Yeah. Um, and I think kids nowadays are, we talked about social media too. They're exposed to life at a younger age mm -hmm. now. And what I mean by life is the progression of it. So like, a 10 year old can have an Instagram and see what it's like to be 35 and wealthy living on an Island somewhere. And that's not their life. Mm -hmm. And so kids younger and younger nowadays are experiencing the life cycle like way faster than ever before. Mm -hmm. And because of that, it's creating self doubt, comparison uh e ego issues where they just they're they have a low self-esteem yep. and identity. yeah their identity then is shook right. because they're being exposed to things that you know before iphones came out really none of us were mm -hmm. we didn't think about like somebody living on an island on instagram like an influencer we didn't ever it didn't cross our minds we were right like we were with the people we were around and that was the extent of our thinking. Mm -hmm. And so I think I want to talk more about the idea of social media and just technology and how it's affected this and how you think, um, or what you think would be a good solution, uh, when it comes to that, because I'm, I'm, and anybody who knows me, I'm kind of like anti-Facebook, anti-Instagram, you know, anti-technology as I talk on a podcast, <laughs> <laughs> but I think I see the effects that it's had on even me and I'm 28 year old grown man mm -hmm. and I've seen how it's affected my mind in the past. Yeah. And so somebody who doesn't have a foundation like I do, like a 10 year old kid, um, and they don't have the, you know, common sense skills that a yeah. grown adult has. It's just like, I can't even imagine having what they have when I was 10 years old. Right. And so I'm curious to know what your uh, view of that is and how you think that should be handled by parents and by people who have, you know, influence on that. Yeah, that's a good question. I... <clears throat> I've never walked a day in someone else's shoes, so I can't answer what I would do as a parent, but it would be very tough uh, to raise a kid with all the uh, temptations that are out there and, you know, Snapchat cash, what the heck is that for? And um, the ability to just have stuff at the tip of your fingers. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I just know if, if you're not able to adapt to the current environment and, and catch on to what's going on, you're going to get you're going to get past, um, from a impact standpoint, in my opinion. And I mean, we're all one post away from being millionaires, right? You see some of the <laughs> stupidest stuff trending right now. Um, that cranberry juice guy was the fresh one this morning that I was watching. And I'm so out of the loop with Fleetwood all this Mac stuff. Is like 48 million downloads or something. <laughs> and yeah, I watched that too. So I saw that video cause she sent it to me. And you ask yourself, right, um, <clears throat> what does what is social media doing right now? And I think it has the power to do both things. So 
it's really a, a personal question. What are you doing with your platform? And it's ironic because I oversee all Instagram platforms for CCU athletics right now. And I'm not very good at social media. I do not. I, I literally have a limit set on my phone for how much time I can spend on Instagram because it's a time suck. It's, it's something that could give you joy. It's also something that could take away joy instantly. And I oversee it. And ironically, it's my job. So <laughs> it's, it's funny because I'm in the same place as you. Like, you don't like technology, but we're literally on 50 different cords right now <laughs> doing a podcast. So Perfect. Um, 2020. It's wild. <laughs> I, I think we don't have a glass in between us. So. <laughs> um, so I think it's it's a matter of like what you're doing with your own platform. I cannot parent someone else's child. I cannot... Um, tell you what you should be doing in that certain moment. I, it's just a matter of what are you using your platform, and that's kind of how I run CCU. It's like, what are we, what are we using our platform platform for? Is it for the good? And I think it was really cool to see. You know, I only have like 500 followers or whatever, but friend me. It's 500 more than I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, but when I posted my book and kind of had these con- uh, like these posts come out, I had some of the coolest conversations that would not have been had without a platform like Instagram. Um, so as much as I, I hate, and I don't hate Instagram, but as much as Instagram could be a threat, it's also a huge asset at the same time. If you're able to put certain limits on yourself for not letting your mind go that way, but that takes a lot of discipline and, um, you know, who are you following? Who is on your searches? The algorithm is a dangerous algorithm that Instagram has. It's purposefully to get you scrolling. So I think it's just a matter of having discipline, having self-control, um, but also knowing yourself well enough to know when you need to maybe take a break. It's okay to take a break. Yeah. You, <laughs> I don't know if you want me sharing this, but I'm going to. Um, we can we were it. supposed to record this podcast, what, last week? Yes. And you took a day off. I did. And you told me that. And I was, I didn't say anything. I was like, great, have a good day. But <laughs> <laughs> it's like, this is, I mean, it's, it's right up the alley of what you're encouraging people to do. Yeah. And so, I mean, you put your money where your mouth is and, <laughs> and you did it. Um, and all the spas are closed that I go to. So I had to just drive to the mountains. <laughs> <laughs> hey, spa days are real. I think spa days should be an option on like PTO. You're getting vacation. into all these like work paid time, paid time off, like yeah. mental health, spa day. That might be my what next else? book. <laughs> you are you, go to the spa. Yeah. <laughs> spa oh man. Very what true. were we talking about? Have you seen the uh, documentary, The Social Dilemma? No, I haven't. And I've been told to watch it, but I'm not sure. That you want to? Yeah. Me too. Yeah. I, have, I know it's going on. Yeah. I have a couple friends who watched it and I have a couple friends who tried to watch it. Yeah. And the fact that somebody who watches Netflix a decent amount <laughs> didn't get through a show that's like an hour long or yeah. whatever. That's why I'm not going to watch it. Well, <laughs> Cause it's, it's like, like hmm, new girl or a social. Dilemma. I think it'll just freak me out even more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a good Stick one. to the office for the rest of the year. Yeah. Anyways, um, <laughs> Side note. that's, that's a good, that's wisdom from you is I think it's the battle of good and evil that we, that is really anything like 
you could name anything and we as humans have the opportunity to invest in the good side or the evil Mm -hmm. side and uh social media just is like it's that on steroids like some people hate instagram because they think it's evil but at the same time like you're having conversations with people about a topic that's needs to be talked about and it would never happen without that so um yeah i think just being intentional about uh your time on it and how you're using it and who you're interacting with and i mean it it gets sticky going down into kids and how they use it because i mean yeah neither one of us is parents so we have no idea you know what that looks like Kayla's going back to the farm and yeah, Kayla, when that happens. Kayla grew up <laughs> under a rock, so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the technology has affected kids probably positively and negatively. And we always hear about the negative in our yeah. world because that's just the way things are, the news. Um, so... Did you watch, um, <clears throat> excuse me, did you watch The Last Dance? I did. Okay, so I don't know basketball that well, so correct me. If Michael Jordan? I'm about to say. I Do know you know Jordan. who Michael Jordan is? That's my middle name, Jordan, <laughs> and I was named after him, so yes. Um, the coach of Michael Jordan's team is named, the real famous one. What, Phil, uh, I forget his last name. Oh I'm on the spot right now. Viewers. Phil Jackson, cheese. The viewers are going to hate us. Okay, Chicago uh, Bulls fans. Phil Jackson. Don't text he me. did a really cool um at least what I saw of the whole the whole thing that I was watching. Um was there a session where they did yoga? Did oh, you yeah. do you remember that? Yeah. I thought that was really really cool and I was talking to my dad about that. And he was saying, "Yeah, I was like, man, that's so cool that they did that." And he goes, "Cast, do you know how unusual that was?" He was like, "That was very unusual back in the day." because no coach ever focused on that and the fact that you see these like seven foot giant michael jordan type people and Shaq or whoever was in that scene i just was it not Shaq? i just named dennis rodman he was in there dennis rodman Um, scotty pippen yeah exactly that's exactly what i was gonna say doing (laughs) yoga like that's incredible that's wild i think we both have um the passion to serve athletes Mm. and the longer I've coached baseball for, it'll be 10 years next year, which is nuts. You're old. I know. Uh, but the longer I coach, and you know this, the more you realize it's less about the game and more about the person. Yeah. Like the longer you're in it, the more you just don't care about what you're coaching, the yeah. sport, and the more you care about the welfare of the athlete mm. in front of you. And so you're so mature. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I care about baseball still, but <laughs> just the kid a little more. Um, good. good balance. Yeah. But I think because all of this is happening that we're, we're starting to talk about mental health. Mm. I've started to think about like when I'm training a kid, how am I having a conversation with them that opens the door to knowing what's going on in their life like Mm -hmm. are you stressed about school um did your girlfriend break up with you like and these are things that no coach has really ever cared or been invested about like you'll joke about 
you know, school or whatever every once in a while. But I think more so now than ever, we need to have those conversations because in reality, and, and hopefully it doesn't get to the point of this, but if we keep suppressing it, it's just going to get to the point where the one person that has that conversation ends up saving a life. And it's just like, Mm -hmm. it shouldn't be that severe, but that's what it's going to right now. Like that's where it's headed. If we don't just make it open and, you know, take the power away by talking about it. Yeah. So I think that you have set, uh, set sail on something that's uh, really important. And I, I said it at the beginning, but I commend you for having the courage, the compassion, the kindness, the awareness Mm -hmm. to um, embark on something like this, because, you know, especially as a man, there's just a a stigma behind telling somebody like, I'm not okay. Mm -hmm. And I think men, the men that I'm closest to are the ones who we've had the conversations where it's, I'm not okay. And that's where we've grown to be close. And that's where we've grown to trust each other. And these are the guys who I, you know, I know would die for me and I would Mm -hmm. die for them. And that's, I don't think that's happening enough where we're choosing intentionally to go deep with Mm -hmm. people and ask them, Hey, are you doing all right? right? Like, like you said at the beginning, you're supposed to ask if they have a plan to commit suicide. Right. And that's just hinting at the note like we aren't transparent enough with our friends and our family and we're not, uh, you know, we're not courageous enough even to say to like, be vulnerable. Yeah, yeah, hey, what's up? Like, yeah. which doesn't make any sense because we were created for human connection right. and somehow we've been pulled apart and think that coming back together is like this you know taboo weird thing and it's hard to have that conversation right and it's hard to start it you don't know where to start it you don't know how to start it and I think that's literally the point of the book is to be able to start that conversation I wrote it in a way um, where you can journey along with the characters in the book but also you can stop and ask I mean I both I wrote the book from for zero to 99 that's the age zero to 99 (laughs) Literally, it's for parents. It's for anyone. What it's about a hundred? Okay, we'll go up to a hundred. Yeah, someone else asked me that too, so I should probably go to like a hundred and see who the oldest person find is. Find the oldest person in the world yeah. and go to them. Hundred and twenty, I bet. Um, but you can literally journey along with the characters, and the point is to ask: Do you feel like this character? Do you have a friend that feels like this character? Have you ever been put in these situations? And uh, it's really and I'm not just saying this because I wrote it, but it's nicely laid out because I put situations where I know it's happening on a daily basis for anyone. And I, one of the reasons I got this book published is I sent this book to my grandma who's 90. She's 92 or she turned 92. So she's in the age range. She's in the age (laughs) range. She's perfect. She's, I love my grandma. Um, but my cousin who is in middle school was down there with her and they read the manuscript. They just happened to be in the same place. I didn't even know it. And they call her Burke. Her middle name's Burke, but they call her Burke. And my grandma, I was on the phone with my grandma and they were reading through the manuscript and my grandma goes, you know, reading the pages and then, um, in the book is the National Suicide Prevention Hotline number. That's how I kind of weaved it in there. 
Um, and my grandma stopped on that page and asked my cousin, she goes, Burke, have you ever thought about suicide or committing suicide? And in my 29 years of living, I have never heard my grandma say the word suicide. Yeah. And in that moment, I was like, I'm publishing it. If yeah. my grandma could say it, who's, you know, amazing, then sh- and stubborn at the same time, <laughs> <laughs> just like me. Um, yeah, I wonder where that came from. <laughs> <laughs> if she can say it and ask that question, it's it's going to open up so many more opportunities for people to ask that question. And my cousin was like, you know, no, I haven't thought about it, but I've had a couple friends think about it. And then there's going to be resources in the book that what's next. Yeah. And there's so many, you know, National Suicide Prevention Hotline. Then the hotline number um, is available 24-7 for people. And I don't think a lot of people know that. So it's just about spreading the word and being able to, one, start the conversation, two, go there with anyone, you know, and then three, being able to provide resources to kind of help after. And resources not only for the person that's struggling, but how do you walk alongside them? What does that look like? What questions can you ask? What questions are you supposed to ask? What questions will get you more vulnerable? Yeah. Um, those kind of things. So that's really why I published it was because in that moment I heard my grandma say it for the first time and I was like, done. That's a pretty cool story. I think the, well, tell us like the, well, tell us the number, the suicide hotline, if you have it handy. Um, and then what are like, what are the steps? What, um, and we can look it up if you, oh, I have it on one of these sheets. Um, 1-800-273-8255, which is also talk. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Like, and actually on the ballot, um, if you guys tune in this year, they're trying to pass a law that. Um, you know, you don't really call 911 if you're thinking about suicide. It's not 911's, you know, an emergency hotline. Which <laughs> it's literally an emergency. If I you're know. Th- yeah. I know. And I'm, I'm sure you could. Yeah. Um, but legislation in different states is trying to pass a number being like 221. Yeah, like or something. quick. Like a yeah. quick number that you can remember really fast, like 911 in case of um, if you're thinking about suicide, I would redirect to the National Suicide Prevention Hotline or. Um, something like that. So th- those are things people need to be aware of too and, and, and try to, if they're passionate about it or feel one way or the other, that they can educate themselves on and, and go forward. So, Dang. Yeah. You picked like <laughs> one of the weightiest topics to yep, write a book on. I did. So, and you know, um, I don't think I'm done. And I, I wrote this book and I was like, one and done. I'm going to be done. <laughs> And and going back even further, so like I said, this was my second master's, and at CCU, I I was a graduate assistant, and under your graduate assistant, you get your master's paid for, and I was like, why get one when you can get two for free? (laughs) And I was like, okay, and so then, (laughs) so then I was like kind of really mad at myself, not mad, but just kind of like over it, and I was just literally on my desktop, on my laptop, where I saved all my folder all my folders for the second, the MOL masters of organizational leadership. I labeled the documents waste of time. And I was just like, save waste of time, waste of time, waste of time. And I went on a mission trip to Vanuatu, shout out South Pacific islands. Um, yes, it's a place. It's a, it's a place. Vanuatu, look it up. It's gorgeous. It's next to Fiji. And everyone there, you would tell them, yeah, you're going to school. They would love 
to go to school in America. Love. And it's just not even an option for him. So when I came back, I changed my attitude and flipped the script a little bit and literally changed the, the saving convention from waste of time to really lucky. And in that moment, literally, it just took like a perspective change. Um, I said I wanted to do something with this master's. And it actually, I've done more with this master's than I did with my MBA, which I thought I would actually use, use a lot more. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that was a, kind of a cool perspective change that I, I don't really tell many people. <laughs> now that I just told the told the entire audience hope you're still on listening yeah hopefully we haven't bored you um so we'll finish what's what's in the future like what are how can we well we'll start with what the date of your book release is yep are you gonna have a party (laughs) (laughs) uh and then where can we get it on pre-order um and then when it drops I'm guessing it's everywhere, but you can tell us more about that. Yeah. So I launched it um, pre-sale on National Suicide Prevention Day, which was October 10th. Um, pre-sale is available on my Instagram bio, Um It will, on December 1st, um, it's going to be available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Borders. Um, and my goal is to get... Um, you know, as many podcasts as I can, of obviously of people I trust. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yes, <laughs> but also I would love, you know, like, again, I'm not doing this for the money. I'm literally just trying to save one person. Uh, I only ordered 500 books. So if I ever have to order more, that's like the biggest blessing that could happen. But um, to get, of course, like a celebrity endorsement would be nice. Get picked up by, you know, Ellen or a news station that could really just gain more exposure. Um, and then, yeah, yeah, maybe not Ellen right now. Uh, this is awkward. (laughs) (laughs) I do love Ellen, but, um, you know, anywhere that could, could push the book in a positive light, I think would be good. And then, like I said, I don't think I'm done. I just thought I would feel done and accomplished. And I think this is, you are you and you are not alone. I think could go into different ideas. One being like women in the workforce, you are you and you are not alone. You can, poured into some other social injustices like Black Lives Matter, you are you and you are not alone, and just be able, again, to continue the conversation and talk about really tough subjects um, with books. So who would have thunk it? You're an author of a children's book. Wow. And that is crazy. Cass, we are honored to be your friend. (gasps) Yay! And we are happy that you chose to write a book, and we think that it's going to be a huge impact. Um, and we mean that from the bottom of our heart. And I'm speaking on behalf of me and Kayla, who was not in this podcast, but she just watched us the whole time. <laughs> Thanks she, for, she cooked dinner. yeah, she cooked dinner for us to get us <laughs> fueled for this. Um, thanks for coming on. And hopefully when you're famous in the future, we can have you on again. <laughs> we'll uh, book an appointment with your uh, manager. Oh, yes. And we'll do this again after you've written 10 New York Times bestsellers. <laughs> oh, gosh. That's a big shoes to fill there. Thank you guys so much for having me. I wish you guys the best of luck on your podcasts as well. And for anyone still listening, just continue the conversation. It's it's something that we all need to do. It's something we all need to um, pour into and, and just literally listen. If anything you hear from this is just be able to say, 
how are you doing and actually mean it and actually listen because that is a very simple thing that everyone can do so thanks guys thank you adios people